You're a little older and a lot wiser. The future is yours. Define aging on your own terms. Welcome to AARP Without Limits with your host, Mike Olander. Hello and welcome. This is AARP Without Limits, WPTF Talk Radio, disrupting aging with the power of 50,000 watts. And our podcast available, as always, on demand, anytime at WPTF.com or on Facebook, AARP North Carolina. I'm your host, Mike Olander of AARP North Carolina, and we've got a wonderful show for you today. Senator Gail Adcock is with us to talk about what is going on in the state legislature this year and the remarkable progress that is being made on health care issues. We look forward to speaking with her in just a few minutes. But first, ladies and gentlemen, as always, my esteemed production engineer here at WPTF, Mr. Jason Kong. Jason, how are you doing, buddy? I'm okay. I'm not going to say I'm playing hurt, but a little scratchy throat from the pollen. Really? It's just, just a little annoyance, I would say. I just, didn't just sense that to bother you a little bit. at all. No, I, well, you know, I, we always were professionals here. We we do a good job, but the, the pollen is just just a little. And you still have that scratch. amazing radio voice. How do you do it? I don't know. It's uh, it's all an act, I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> how are you doing, Mike? I am doing fantastic. I have to say, um, it's been an interesting. Well, right now things are really, really, really busy for ARP. Um, lots going on, um, and also just personally, you know, family life and all of that. And uh, it's interesting. You and I always talk about, you know, the the, the uh, interesting uh, moments that come with being fathers. Um, and my oldest son has presented me with some some challenges that I knew were going to be happening at some point. And here they are happening now. So my little good-looking 13-year-old son um, had his first girlfriend uh, enter his life a few months ago. And uh, the whole time, you know, they're on the phone, they're FaceTiming, they're chatting, they have these little, you know, dates at the craft fair at school, really, really cute, fun <laughs> stuff, right? And the whole time, um, um, you know, just observing this and enjoying it for what it is, but at the same time thinking... Oh, man, uh, there's a really good chance he's not going to end up spending the rest of his life with this girl. (laughs) I need to start mentally preparing myself for the inevitable conversation of uh, what happens when they break up and uh, and all of that. And let's just hope it's either something amicable or he's the one to do it or, or who knows what. Well, Jason, as we all know, recently, uh, Valentine's Day, uh, you know, just a few weeks yeah. ago. And um yeah, the day before the dance, he got dumped. Oh, no. And oh, man, let me just say, I, I was kind of getting myself prepared for the conversation, the well son conversation, but uh, not quite that, because um, I always had little girlfriends and stuff going back to when I was in kindergarten, never got dumped the day before the dance. Man, that was... <laughs> That's a stinger, but he will be more stronger for that. He will he will be able to bounce back I'll from tell you, I am, that. I am I am so impressed with how emotionally mature he is and he's always been like that. He's been advanced and and you know like some people say, you know, uh if they've got an old soul, you know, he's got an old soul. He's definitely uh has got some wisdom beyond his years, very emotionally mature. And of course his response to the whole thing was I don't know why she couldn't have just spoken to me about it, you know? And why couldn't she just explain to me why she's feeling? And he got dumped via text, which he really bothered him. He's like, we can't have a conversation in person about it. And such a, he was so sad and and upset, but uh, I'm so proud of him. And I got to say, I got through the moment with him. And, you know, as a parent, 
you know, you always try to find the balance between, you know, letting your kids have the lesson learned, you know, and experience what they need to experience and to grow from it and to get stronger, as you alluded to before, but also providing the support, you know, and saying it's okay if you're bummed out, man, like I, that stinks, you know, and, and there's no there's no way to, to, to make it feel rosy. So finding that balance between offering support, but also letting him feel and experience what he needs to and learns from it is is so, so important. And uh, it got me thinking about my dad, you know, and my dad over the years, very different approach on these things. He was just like, what's wrong with you? You can't just bounce back from it and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. He grew up in Bayonne, New Jersey, where they uh, their dating uh, culture was a little different than it was for me. But um, it got me thinking about what were some of the... Um, some of the great bits of advice uh, my dad gave me, and I'm wondering if y'all are listening there, and we have some great advice that you got from your mom or your dad that have stuck with you over the years, you know, decades later that really stand out to you, send them to us, AARP Without Limits at AARP.org is our email address. Again, that's AARP Without Limits at AARP.org. And tell us, you know, what did your mom or your dad or your uncle or grandpa or whomever was, somebody who... uh, was wise and took you under their wing and supported you and gave you the love that you needed. Um, what were some of the bits of advice that they gave you that really, you know, uh, resonated with you and stuck with you over the years? And that's kind of what I think about with my son is what can I tell him that's long term, that's not limited to a period of time or a situation, you know? And and my dad had a few, and I jotted some down, Jason. I hope you don't you don't uh, mind here. No, let's um, go for it. Uh, number one, pay yourself first. These are all sort of not in any real order. But when it comes to saving your money, if you have a little money, save first. Pay yourself first. I like the way he framed that, you know, because you can enjoy it a little later on down the road. Always have a plan. Even if it's informal, you know, always have an idea of what's going on, what you need to do. Is there a plan B? Is there an escape route? Whatever it might be, whatever it is that you're doing. Another one, and this has to do, and especially important, when you're become an adult and you're juggling lots of different things. If you're not sure if you need to do something and when you need to do it, ask yourself three questions. One, does it have to be done? Does it have to be done by me? Does it have to be done by me now? And if the answer to all three questions is yes, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Right, simple, but my gosh, how simple, how important that is, especially as you get older and you're balancing so much to put that um, in, um, to keep that in mind. And the last thing I noted here um, is don't ever assume that things won't change. And this is true, of course, whether you are talking about things that are um, good or bad in your life right? Don't assume that things won't change. And that I'm actually, I, point, I emphasize that point right now because as we're bringing in our guest here who works in the state legislature, um, so much has changed. Um, the political uh, uh, um, senses of issues like healthcare, once so, so divisive, for some reason have really seemed to turn the other way. And to talk about that, there's really nobody better to talk to than uh, my uh, new state senator, Senator Gail Adcock. Senator, thank you so much for being with us. It's such a pleasure to be with you, Mike. I want to thank you so much, you and AARP, and- for your great support of nurses. Thank you. And you are, in addition to, you've served four houses, uh, four terms in the House. Yes, sir. Now first-term senator mm-hmm. and the first uh, um, uh, a nurse practitioner 
ever to serve in the legislature. That's correct. And the first nurse to ever serve in the state senate. That is extraordinary. All the years of our existence of having state government, and this is the first time. Surprising. It is. And as we talk about expanding access to health care, the role that nurses play is so important. We're going to get to that. So first off, congratulations on your election victory. And I have to ask, um, how how has the transition been for you going from the House to the Senate? Uh, actually, it's been very smooth. And par- I will give a lot of credit for that to the uh, members of the Senate who've been very welcoming to me, made me feel very at home. And that's both sides of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's actually not been a, a tough transition at all. I, in many ways, I feel like I've been there much longer than seven weeks. Wow. Well, I don't know. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> oh, I think it's a, well. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on the day. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so is there much difference culturally between how the Senate does things versus what you're used to in the House? Surprisingly, yes. Uh, for one thing, you know, there are 50 members of the Senate and 120 members of the House, but they're in the same physical space in the chamber. So when you put 120 people in a space, you get a very different kind of behavior than when you put 50 people in a space because there's less personal space. Um, it's a much more... Um, I hate to use the word dignified, but it's slightly more dignified. There's, uh, it's more, uh, there's, it has a very smooth operation. It's more predictable. It's more precise. There's less debate. There are fewer mm. people, of course, to debate. And the debate is more um, uh, planned and, um, pre- and, like I said before, predictable. Um, and so far, it's been more uh, a more thoughtful process that I suits my personality a lot more than the House, although I really enjoyed my years in the House. But but it, it's a difference that I notice. Uh, the committees operate differently. There are fewer committees because there are fewer members. And most of the work is done in committee. So by the time you get a vote to the floor, every everything that's been that needs to be said has been said. And no one is beating that issue to death anymore. So a few people speak, we take a vote. And then once that voting's over, no matter how divisive the issue may have been, no matter how passionate people may have been in their debate, people cross the aisle, clap each other on the back, go out and have dinner together, make a joke. That is so remarkable. And, you know, one of the things, you know, another level of government, the federal government back when um, now Speaker, Speaker McCarthy was being elected, right? Um, we had, before there were any rules passed, of course, there were C-SPAN's cameras there on the floor capturing the action and the little conversations and the interactions between both sides of the aisle. And we've talked before on this show, Jason, right, how the tone was so different, the visuals were so different from what most people think about. when. They, and I know that's obvious obviously a different level of government and so forth. But that's the thing is if you you know you listen to the media and you see the fundraising emails from candidates and PACs and all those types of things, watch, look at social media, you really get the sense that, oh my gosh, the country is ready to just fall apart because nobody can get anything done or see eye to eye or behave like human beings with each other. But yet, actually, people are getting along. Uh, way more than the majority of the time we have unanimous votes. Or if they're not unanimous, it's it's not a partisan vote. It's not along party lines. People have different ideologies and different experiences and come from different places. Uh, but I would say the, even, you know, what the media does often is 
uh, take what is the most divisive and the most controversial and the most what will sell the most newspapers or get the people to turn in uh, to the station. But what they're not reporting on are all of the times where we work so well together. Mm-hmm. We collaborate. We come together in the middle and form a compromise, and then we support each other in that. And that's the majority of the time. And I wish everybody could know that because otherwise it put it makes government service sound off-putting. And I would say to you, it shouldn't it shouldn't be that way. Average people can do this, and it is not the kind of um, terrible environment that often we're led to believe. And it is so refreshing to hear that and to be now seeing it on an issue that was previously so divisive, like health care, which we're going to talk about with you just after this commercial break. You've been listening to AARP Without Limits. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is AARP Without Limits. Send us a question, a comment, a suggestion for a future topic or guest at AARP Without Limits at AARP.org. We have been speaking with Senator Gail Adcock, and it has been such a pleasure speaking with you, getting a sense of what takes place behind the curtain and when the cameras are off in the state legislature, both in the House and in the Senate. We have to ask you, though, about what's going on with Medicaid expansion. There's been so much – this is so exciting because for me, as working for AARP for 15-plus years now and before that working on issues of health care access, it was so divisive. And even here in North Carolina – After the ACA was passed, the legislature actually passed a law prohibiting the state from expanding the Medicaid program. Now we've actually gotten so many of those same voices embracing it and really wanting to see it happen done so fast. So what's your take on that, how that's happening and why? Uh, Well, it's... It's not a simple answer. I'll do the best I can. So this is a conversation that's been going on for at least 12 years. And so when you think about that, the length of the conversation, the fact that we every two years when we have a new session, we have a a different set of people because there's a certain amount of turnover in both chambers every two years. And so the conversation has been ongoing, even though not always in front of the camera. Uh, both sides have kept it going. And so over time, people have gotten more information that's helped, that has really helped them change their mind about whether this is a good idea and actually has become an imperative need for our state. The number of uninsured has grown in our state to 600,000 working adults between the ages of 18 and 64. That's compelling. The uh, health of our hospitals, particularly our rural hospitals, is dependent on having patients for whom the, the care that they seek is paid for. And so those uninsured who have no option but to go to an emergency room for care and then to come when they are so sick that they could have been taken care of so much easier and perhaps and had a much better outcome, that's become compelling. And it's become quite clear over the 12 years that the uh, ACA is not going to be repealed. We've had different administrations. We've had a different party in the presidency, in Congress, and there is no appetite to repeal the ACA, so it is here to stay. And I believe there was some assumption 12 years ago and perhaps even until the last uh, two to four years that that was going to happen. And so why bet on a losing horse, right? But now it's clear the ACA is is here to stay. The federal government's never reneged on the 90% cost share for them. And so, and we get a $1.8 billion sign-on bonus for expanding Medicaid now. And if we don't do it, we lose that money. It's left lying on the table. So you put all of that together and boom, here we are ready within the next week to pass Medicaid expansion. 
It is amazing. It is an amazing story to be told. And I know you, the way you framed it was in not every single detail, but as you said, but still so important. And that turnover, I think that's a, such an important part because mm-hmm. a lot of the same, a lot of peop, there are a lot of new people mm-hmm. who've come on board in the last 12 years. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that is correct. And I would say that the uh, leadership of the, the legislative leadership, you know, other members take their cue often from them. And they have changed their minds, and they they can articulate what led them to change their minds in a way that is logical and you can follow. And they have helped to it's been a it's been up and down. So they've convinced their caucus, and their caucus has convinced them. And of course, my caucus has always been in favor of this. And so now we have a real melding of uh, the minds, and you know we've come to the same conclusion. Uh, hopefully, at the same time now that it's time to expand Medicaid. There's nothing to be lost. One of the other uh, health care issues, bills that's up right now, uh, that's been seeing a lot of bipartisan support, um, is for the SAVE Act. And just as a disclosure to everyone, we recently, ARP, participated in a press conference with you, members of both chambers and parties, um, to s- express support for the SAVE Act as the first nurse practitioner to serve ever in the state legislature and the first nurse to serve in the state senate this is i know extraordinarily important to you and you made such an important case in in your advocacy at that press conference can you tell our listeners please what is the save act what it's about why is it important for north carolina well that's the the most important question you've asked me today Mm -hmm. so thank you for that um so the save act is a regulatory reform bill that simply modernizes the regulations and laws that govern the practice of advanced practice registered nurses called APRNs, which include nurse practitioners, certified nurse midwives, clinical nurse specialists, and certified registered nurse anesthetists. Um, And it's something 26 other states have done to simply remove uh, a really old part of the law that requires these APRNs to have physician supervision. Supervision that actually is not what one thinks of when you think of supervision. It's It's not a physician in the room with you. It's not a physician in the building with you. Often it's not a physician in the county with you. Um, It's simply signing a piece of paper called a collaborative agreement and having a brief uh, meeting every six months. It can be five minutes over the telephone. So it's it's an antiquated idea that 26 other states have eliminated and never repealed the legislation that they passed. So we're just seeking to bring North Carolina into line with what really is the modern uh, delivery of health care. And by doing so, really increase access to care, particularly in our rural underserved areas and with our underserved populations. So this is uh, this is a bill that is nonpartisan in every way and has bill sponsors on both sides of the aisle and people eager to vote for this bill. So one of the issues we've been hearing about for years now has been the, the shortage of uh, in the health care sector and the delivery of health care, direct care workforce um, for the consumer. Um, what do, what what could this mean? Like what, mm-hmm. what what additional access would you expect them to have? Well, the expectation is that when you lift these artificial barriers to care, you will get nurse. You'll get all these different kinds of APRNs who will go into the rural underserved areas or even urban underserved areas and open their own practices or in some way provide care to people who right now do not have any primary care providers in their communities. 
And when you don't have a primary care provider in your community, and perhaps the closest one is 60 or 80 miles away, and perhaps you have no transportation, you are not going to get that really important primary care that helps you know about the chronic illnesses you may have so you can treat them and keep from having a bad outcome like a stroke or, or a heart attack or something like that. And so this this passing this bill allows those APRNs to get to go into the communities. They're very eager to serve and to serve the people that they wish to serve and to not have any of those barriers. So it's really great for people all over the state. Um, that That's a great start. Yeah, it is. And and my understanding, too, is that there's a study that was done in the last couple of years, which showed that you mentioned before jobs, like people wanting to go into that field because of the opportunity it presents was it 3,800 jobs? Well, it actually, it's the job part is about the jobs it creates. Not mm-hmm. all of those jobs are APRN jobs. But you think about this. If you have a nurse practitioner, I'll use this example, who goes into a rural community and opens a practice, he or she is going to hire staff. They are going to create those jobs out of whole cloth. And for every job they create, there's probably some additional job that they touch through the fact they're renting space or buying property, and they're adding to the economic development of their community by doing that. Uh, what, uh, what are some of the other priorities for you as a, as a new state senator? Well, yes, just yesterday I filed a bill to add a school to fund uh, the addition of a school nurse to every school in the state of North Carolina. Wow. Yes, and I'm so excited about that. Uh, behavioral health and uh, substance abuse treatment are also big priorities for me, you know, healthcare in general. But, but in addition to that, you know, healthcare is also big business. So I'm all in favor of economic development and education because economic development, education, and health are three things that travel together all the time. And you can't have one of those without the other two. I mean, they're like three legs of a stool. How can folks find out uh, more about what you're doing and what you're up to? I know you are on social media. Right. So you can find me on Instagram at Gail, G-A-L-E, dot brown, like the color, dot Adcock, A-D-C-O-C-K. You can find me on Facebook at Gail Adcock. I tweet occasionally, but you can also go to the General Assembly website, nclg.gov, and uh, go to Senate Chamber member list and click on Adcock and see all the bills that I have um, sponsored, co-sponsored, and all my votes. Wonderful. In the last 30 seconds or so, we've got any final words for our audience? I would just say to all of the listeners out there, AARP has been a terrific partner to nurses and nurse in the nursing profession for years now. And without y'all's support and understanding that by supporting us, you're increasing access to care for your members and high quality care, we would not be where we are today. So I'm exceedingly grateful to AARP for your many, the many things you do to support the nursing profession. Well, thank you so much for those very kind, generous words uh, to end our show on. Uh, Senator Gail Adcock, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, Remember to send us any questions you may have, AARP Without Limits at aarp.org. Thank you to Jason Kong for production. Thank you for listening. This has been AARP Without Limits. I'm Mike Olander with AARP North Carolina, signing off.